0: This is Cinema Roundtable. My name's Jake, and today, Erica's joining me tonight. It's just the two of us.
1: Just the two of us. Thank you for having me here. Of
0: course. I mean, it's always fun to have the other people around, but... Jared and I record an episode, just the two of us. Now Eric and I yeah, get to record an episode, just that, the two of us. That one
1: time that you recorded with just the two of you, I was supposed to be there and <laughs> had a calendar mishap and missed out on talking about a movie I
0: wanted to talk about. Yeah, I think we, um, you like texted us or something like right afterwards. I was it, like, what? <laughs> it, is, it is totally fine because I, I can't remember what one. What one was that? Was that Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? bodies, bodies, bodies? bodies yeah. That's what I thought. Um, well, but now Jared, who who had seen the movie, now he gets to be bummed out that he doesn't get to be on the pod. Unfortunate. It's what happens when you have kids, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's okay. But we're going to bring, we're still going to bring a bunch of different movies for you tonight. We got four that we're talking about, and we can just get right into it. Um, Erica, had a, l- you had a little uh, intro for your first movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I've uh, been fortunate enough to watch several new movies, both in the theater and on streaming services, but I want to take a few minutes to discuss a movie that has already been submitted for Oscar consideration, and that movie is... Terrifier two,
0: <laughs> so I am un. I have not seen the Terrifier films. I am okay. I. I'm aware of their reputation, though. Oh yes,
1: oh yes, they have that reputation for a good reason. Um, I saw the first Terrifier film on Netflix maybe a year ago. Um, that was released in I think 2016. I mean, um, that
0: sounds about right. Yeah. I think that's around the time I yeah 2016. So it's wow, it's been six yeah six years since between which given the reputation that Terrifier has, you would think they would like try to speed up
1: right yeah, a sequel yeah. or do, something do the Sequel faster but I mean I was kind of surprised that I was that far behind the curve on seeing the first one Yeah and that isn't even technically the first one uh, the the villain Art the Clown was first um, introduced in a movie anthology film called All How's Eve.
0: Another thing that I'm familiar with but I have not seen, Um, is it the same creator? Same creator
1: but different actor portraying Art the Clown in in that film. Um, So I watched the first Terrifier Netflix, I don't know, like a year ago, maybe a bit longer. And I thought it had really good pacing and some vicious kill scenes. But unfortunately it, it lacked character development and other elements that would make it good for repeat viewing. Uh, It definitely seemed like it was intended as a vehicle for the film's antagonist, Art the Clown, uh, in hopes that maybe he would become the next big slasher movie icon, and maybe also a vehicle to launch the career of actor David Howard Thornton, who portrays Art. So now we finally have Terrifier 2. It corrects some of the flaws of the first film, uh, while introducing a host of other new problems. On the upside it does take the time to develop many main characters and they uh, also provide art with a worthy adversary and final girl Sienna, who is portrayed by Lauren Lavera. Um, David Howard Thornton has really hit his stride with his portrayal of art, the clown, who is a silent killer, but also very charismatic because he's more of a mime and he has this great range of facial expressions. Um, and And sometimes it's very comedic, like even if he himself is injured, you never hear him scream. He will mime screaming. <laughs> and he also mimes laughing and other other things mm-hmm. that would normally just be a natural uh, reaction but but he has like he's very expressive and it's kind of fun to watch him
0: yeah i i from from different things I've heard about this series, I guess now is that art the clown does have a following as kind of a. I'm we're not gonna call it an icon quite yet, but um but yeah, the performance being something that's really uh, kind of a bright spot of the films. Um but but yeah, I I So are the I the thing that I know about them is their effects, is that they're known for their 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 violence effects. Yes. I mean they um, I
1: was just about to get yeah. to that. <laughs> um so I don't know, I was yeah, the special effects are much better than the original film. The original film was very gory, but some of the special effects don't entirely hold up.
0: Well, um, I, I happen to see that the first film only had a budget of $38,000. Right. very,
1: yeah, it was very low budget. $35,000. So, you can, you can yeah. totally um, overlook some of the effects not, you know, holding up, especially, especially when you watch it twice like I did. And then When I saw it the second time, kind of the lack of character development got Mm -hmm. to me on that first film. Um, One thing that's like really great with both films though is that they are almost entirely like practical effects, which will be a great thing for a lot of horror fans who tend to dislike CGI. Mm -hmm. Um, As for the kill scenes themselves, they tend to be kind of divisive among horror fans. Like several of my friends. Uh, who like grew up with your your classic kind of '80s slasher films just despise Art the Clown like they think he goes way too far,
0: Um and in, I, just in terms of like the the gore or like yes the gore and the sadism. Like, I mean, but the thing is, is that like these movies are being like portrayed as as splatter films which I mean, the whole selling point of those are to be as violent as they possibly can. So, I mean, I don't know what,
1: it's not that other slasher films aren't violent, but the types of violence Mm -hmm. that you see in these scenes are definitely more, uh, taboo. Like, Mm-hmm. For instance, Jason might give you like one machete whack and you're mm-hmm. done and it's like a fairly clean death, but art will just keep on going and going and going and there's a lot of facial trauma and uh, like um, eye gouging. I was going to say and... some
0: Fulci influence yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think there is
1: a definite Fulci influence, yeah. but I feel like most horror fans do not want to see facial mutilations or eye stabbings. <sighs> like it's just I, I, a bit much maybe. I would
0: heard that, that... – That or I've people have talked about that that, you know what it feels like to get poked in the eye (laughs) so much more than what it feels like to be stabbed by a knife, and so it there's more of a a a personal resonance I've I've heard Mm -hmm. with that which makes sense. Um, I've also heard that both Terrifier and Terrifier Two have kind of an iconic death scene in them yes. as well
1: yes so the first one uh woman saw it That's, in half was but say,
0: lengthwise um you said um people, it's a divisive movie and yeah, i said literally i was thinking literally.
1: literally uh so that that one people are like well that that scene's really extreme plus it involved nudity so it's like you can't really top the first movie with that particular scene and then mm-hmm. This movie comes along and has a scene much, it's much the worse. The bedroom scene? The is that bedroom what? scene, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I've, heard,
0: I've heard the bedroom scene. Where you and think
1: it's done and then art keeps coming back and it keeps on going and just gets worse and worse. Well, that's, it's
0: like, that's probably where you're kind of coming from when, when you've said that people, he just takes it. Too far. Well, I mean, it's a serial killer clown, like right.
1: Wh- and I mean, for fans who who do like more extreme movies and a lot of gore, this is mm-hmm. going to be perfect for them. But I've i just noticed a lot of friends who who are very much like stuck in just liking the sort of yeah, uh, you know, early eighties uh, type slasher film. Just do not like this movie. Yeah, um,
0: I so so it's obviously has a clown as the killer, and it it plays up the violence. Is this a fun? Are these funny movies too? Like, are they tongue in cheek, um, or are they? They
1: they have some humor. It's sometimes very cruel humor.
0: Okay, because everything
1: is funny to art. It's not necessarily funny okay. to anyone else. Because but...
0: because I think of like some of those ultra violent. Films And a lot of them are kind of uh, like tongue-in-cheek, kind of funny, like especially like early Peter Jackson films and stuff like that Mm -hmm. where um, the violence is just like over the top, um, like played to like absurd levels where it becomes funny. Um, It doesn't really seem like this is necessarily the case. But then you also look, there's that other side of – of ultra violent, like your Mel Gibson movies, mm-hmm. and your, um, I'm totally blanking on his name, but um, Bone Tomahawk and like oh, Cell, yeah, yeah. Brawl and Cell Block mm-hmm. 99, um, David Solar, I think is what his name is. Those are played straight, but they're also ultra violent. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get both sides of the spectrum. I was trying yeah, I, to see where like this falls. I there's
1: a mixture of this, like um, the bedroom scene like, on first watch. I found it really appalling, and then when I watched it, again, because I had to discuss it on another podcast, (laughs) then I did giggle a little bit. Um, One of the nice touches when you're just seeing all the terrible stuff done to this victim is that she her bedroom decor is so pristine and girly and there's like hashtag blessed Mm -hmm. you know signs on the wall and that kind of thing it's like oh
0: (laughs) it it has the offsetting feel with all the ultra violence yeah and
1: like there's a scene where you you think she's like gonna be left alone to survive even though she's very mangled he comes back and like dumps a bunch of salt on her wounds and it's like it's just it's just awful (laughs) yeah
0: um that's that's not what you want. No. Um, <laughs> when we were talking about this a little bit in the chat, um, you had talked about the length of the film. Yes. Um The first Terrifier is only eighty six minutes long. Correct. This one is one hundred and thirty eight minutes long, which yes, is
1: two hours and eighteen minutes. <laughs> crazy <laughs> for a very slasher
0: long. horror movie.
1: Right. Right. So yeah, that was that's one of my main criticisms. Um, While the first film, yeah, definitely didn't really have like a whole lot of plot and character development, it was perfectly paced, it it just got to the point. This one, I just feel, is like way too long. And like the part that really killed me, so to speak, um, there is like a super long dream sequence that includes a musical number about a clown cafe, and it is horrendous to listen to like the song goes on way too long it's stupid I feel like they ran out of words or they were ad-libbing the words at one point and it's like ooh. so you think you once you get past that part of it you maybe you won't be subjected to the clown cafe again no it comes back later in the film
0: yeah I've heard I heard that there was is it there's two separate music numbers (laughs) Um, with the
1: same song
0: Ugh, and then okay. the song
1: shows up again in the end credits. So if you count okay. the end credits, it's three
0: That's times. It's your third time. Um, yeah, when I heard about that, I was like, oh man, they're just going for everything. They are. This.
1: And, and they, they do introduce a lot of interesting concepts that, since I know that there is supposed to be a Terrifier 3 coming out, maybe they'll answer these uh, questions or tie up these plot threads. Mm-hmm. But if you just watch... This film, like by itself, and and like you're not anticipating watching the third one, it's kind of a hot mess in terms of these dangling plot threads.
0: Um, are yeah. you excited for a third one, though?
1: I actually am. I do want to see if they develop this. Like, there are some interesting fan theories, like maybe Art the Clown is actually the final girl's father.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, and actually, that would explain some of the weird stuff that happens in this. Like, it seems like he treats her with kid gloves. Same with her her little brother. Okay. But he's, like, uh, just completely brutal with every other character he encounters. But with, with these two, it's like he's, like, I don't know, very gentle almost. Barely does anything.
0: Interesting. Yeah, maybe from, from listening to you kind of go between both of those two, it sounds like there are positives and negatives to both of them. And if maybe they can find a happy medium between the two – it could maybe lead to a a pretty successful film. I mean, currently, this movie, has, Terrifier 2, has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, it only has 64 reviews, which is enough, but not a crazy ton. Right, right. Um, but obviously, the people who want to see this movie are enjoying it, and maybe that's because they have expectation from what the first one was, and it's delivering on that violent and and... They like that character and mm-hmm. and stuff like that, um, but I, I don't know. And then
1: there's this this scene that's stuck in the end credits where you think that it's wrapped up nicely, and then then they follow up with the surviving character from the first film whose face is terribly disfigured, and then there's a cameo appearance w- with pro wrestler Chris Jericho who who is a big horror fan. I can get why he'd want to be in this, uh, but this I don't I don't want to spoil it. But the scene is truly vile and baffling.
0: Okay. Sounds like that's a good way of describing the movie at large, it <laughs> yeah, seems like. Much. But, um, so where did you see this?
1: Um, I had to watch it on a uh, streaming service because, unfortunately... Um, Marcus theaters in Lincoln did not <laughs> did not show it, but they did in Omaha. I just oh, wasn't okay. going to drive to Omaha for That's it. That's fair.
0: Uh, which is it on Shutter or is it on a different? Uh, it's
1: not on Shutter. Now I'm I'm struggling to remember where I saw it. Um,
0: well, it is on some streaming it's on service. Some
1: streaming service somewhere. So
0: if it sounds like a movie that you would be into, then go for it. It's it looks like you can rent it on Amazon. Yeah, that is one of the places um, you can watch it. Or youtube you could you can rent it also that
1: that's new that's Um, that's good that wasn't an option when i had to search for it
0: yeah so if that sounds like a movie that you would be into then kind of a would you say more positive
1: um if you like a lot of gore um it will be great for you.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, that's Terrifier 2, um, which we'll move on to our second film tonight, which I will be covering, and that's going to be Bones and All, um, which is the new um, Luca Guadagnino film, um, which if you are familiar with him, he did um, Call Me By Your Name and the Suspiria remake. Um, the the IMDb synopsis of this is Marin, a young woman learns how to survive on the margins of society, which is a very, very simplistic, very um, vague. vague um, synopsis. Uh, so basically what this film is, is it is a coming of age cannibal film. <laughs> um, so it's, it's basically about this character, Marin, who's played by Taylor Russell and she discovers, or she has tendencies of uh, craving, human flesh and she um has had to move around because of incidents that have happened um and finally her father essentially abandons her and has this uh tape recorder that he recorded like these are the instances that happened that you wouldn't remember because you were too young or like I finally had to let you go all these types of things um and then she finds out that she has a mom who just also got up and left. Um, you're kind of assuming that this is a hereditary thing that her mom also struggled with these things. So it's basically her going on a road trip to um, to find her mom and to get some answers. Mm-hmm. Along the way she meets a few different people who are also cannibals. Um, the first being Mark Rylance who he was in like Bridge of Spies and he's an old... He, He's very good in it, but he is kind of this loner, creepy old man who is like I could smell you from from miles away. That's also kind of a power that they that these uh, cannibals have is that they can kind of sense when they're around other cannibals. Interesting. Um, And she decides that she wants to move on from him, um, and that's where she meets Timothy Chalamet, who is the the probably the The other lead of this film um, and they kind of have a budding relationship as they kind of make their way through um, what he's had to deal with his family and her trying to figure out what's going on with her family and kind of navigating what it's like to be young people that are kind of vagabonds that are Mm -hmm. also cannibals. Um, (laughs) It is a very, the, the the cannibal scenes are very gruesome but i would not call this movie a horror movie by any means it's just kind of an element of the story um there's also um some other characters that you meet you are other big people that are in this movie or somewhat big people um michael stuhlberg who was in call me by your name uh, makes an appearance uh andre holland who is in he's in the uh, the American horror Story, oh, Nice. And then hit, her mom is played by Chloe Sevigny, um, who is only in it for a brief moment. Um, overall, I thought this movie was, was good, but I was kind of expecting more from it. Um, it was very episodic in nature um, because it's kind of, they go to a different place, they meet someone, they converse with them and then they move on. Um, the movie is, is, somewhat long it's it's um two hours and 10 minutes long so it's a longer movie but because they keep moving on to these different plot points you don't really get to spend a lot of time i would have liked a little bit more time with her dad or um with her mom because when she meets her mom she's in a psych ward and she has no lines she sees her and that she has become kind of uh incapacitated and and quickly leaves so it's kind of an unfortunate thing it would have been nice to spend a little bit more time with them um i would call this movie kind of a beautifully ugly movie Ah, also um where it's very well shot there's a lot of countryside it takes place more in the midwest um they actually reference omaha at one point in the in the movie um but it every location that they're in is like run down um i was thinking it was kind of like a super polished Har- harmony Kareen film hmm. if you are you familiar with harmony Kareen? he did like um like gummo and like spring breakers no, I haven't and seen any a of this. lot of his films are are kind of purposefully ugly but this has kind of like a an indie sheen to it um but uh, something that also kind of bugged me about it is Timothy Chalamet's character is from like Kentucky or something like that, and so he has kind of a Southern accent that I would say is inconsistent at best. But uh, that's kind of a little a little side thing. Um, but overall, I think the movie is good. Um, I would love this to be what to be a a mini series mm-hmm. or a television show, um, just so you could see the characters interactions a little bit more um but overall uh i thought it was very good are you i assume you've seen the suspiria yeah, remake it I seems have. like something you would be from you would have seen
1: i i i have seen it i like it for the most part although I, again i think it's too long and I it, thought well, it the is dance very long were pretentious and i could have lived without the very <laughs> prolonged weird modern dance scenes just I-
0: I, I do, I do like the concept of the dancing in that film, um, being kind of how they, it's, it's a, a witch movie. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. They don't really, they, they're very upfront about it right mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film. So it's not a, it's not a spoiler per se, right, um, right, but they conduct their, their spells essentially through dance, which, um, is very interesting. It is very long. Um, but it's. I think that's maybe just his style. I mean, this movie is long, is over two hours. Mm-hmm. Suspiria, <laughs> I think, is like two and a half hours, I think maybe. So. <laughs> and then Call Me by Your Name, I think, is also like two to two and a half hours as well, which is a very different direction, um, theme-wise. Uh, that's beautiful Italian countryside love story, nice. as opposed to damp Berlin wall, um, Suspiria. <laughs> Yeah, but, but, um, but yeah, uh, I would, but like I said, I saw this in the theaters, so you'll have to check it there. I don't know when it's supposed to go on to streaming. Um, but if you are interested in Bones and All, I do give it a recommendation. Yeah,
1: that, that sounds interesting. Yeah. That, that, with about, uh, sorry, about Suspiria, that is an interesting point. Like the Dario Argento original is just popping with color and Uh, Yeah, it's it's very saturated, and then the remake is uh, very—it's
0: like drab, very
1: drab, and like a lot of neutral tones.
0: Which, in in my opinion, if you're gonna make a remake, it's nice if you go in a completely different direction because there's Mm -hmm. the the story points are there from the original Suspiria, um, but it's told in a completely different way, and there's also embellishments, and they've added new story things to it. but I, I always enjoyed that contrast because, yeah, Dario Argento, bright reds, fluorescence, big things like that. And then you have this very muted um, – yeah, it's constantly raining and everybody is just kind of pale and, yeah, it, yeah it's very yeah. different. But I, I thoroughly enjoy both of those movies mm-hmm. though but for very different reasons. and And so, yeah, shout out to Dario Argento. Um, if you like Jalo, check out his his films. Deep not, red, not is, his
1: newer films. Check out no. the old ones. Definitely skip the ones from like the last decade. Or I was going to so. say,
0: <laughs> start from his from his filmography and work up. And then once you hit a movie that you don't like, it's probably a good time yeah, to stop. Yeah, like
1: like drop out in the mid nineties, I would say safely.
0: Like Mother of Tears, maybe
1: that is maybe one of the better newer ones. But um, he had a lot of. Turkeys <laughs> before That's that, fair. but definitely
0: Suspiria, Deep Red, um, Inferno. Those are all films that I would recommend of his, <laughs> um, and all three going back uh, Luca Guadagnino films I would also recommend. Um, but yeah, that is Bones and all. I also forgot to mention our featured film tonight. Uh, I'll just give a shout out real quick. Our featured film tonight is is The Menu, um, which. I know I was very excited for, but we'll get to that in a moment. We're going to have one more Uh, film and it's the Christmas season. Um, so we're actually going to do like a, um, um, John Leguizamo double feature here in just a moment with uh, violent night being (laughs) our next film.
1: Oh man. So from the poster first, I thought, is this going to be another holiday slasher film like silent night, deadly night, or, or something of that type. Fortunately it's not. Um, I tend to feel that uh, Christmas-themed horror movies are often not very good, with the exception of Black Christmas, perhaps. Like the original the Black original. Christmas, yeah not, yeah. yeah, not the remake. Definitely not the remake. But yeah, fortunately, this is this is not a horror film. It is very gruesome in places. It's more of an action comedy, uh, heartwarming family tale, mm-hmm. all melted into one. Um, so, it, when I saw
0: the trailer for this, I it looks like a fake movie. Like, it looks yeah. like a movie that would be... Kind of like, like
1: the fake films in, in the grindhouse. Uh, exactly. Like, we're going to have this high
0: concept idea of, oh, what if Santa Claus was an action hero, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like it would be a real movie, but everyone, I'll, and I'll let you get into everybody that I have talked to about, I have not seen it yet, I am excited to see it, um, has said that it was very fun.
1: It, it's extremely fun. Uh, I saw it with a, a friend who is normally not very expressive in his reactions uh to toward movies or even stand up comedy there were some scenes where he doubled over with laughter like nice. he usually tries to like suppress you know that that level of expression mm-hmm. but couldn't um so yeah i i don't want to get into too many spoilers but basically there's a um it, it it's about a a family that's kind of falling apart or a, a couple who have split up but they're daughter wants her parents to get back together and that's her Christmas wish. She kind doesn't of, want she doesn't want presents.
0: Isn't that kind of what happens in uh in Krampus also?
1: Yeah, I think there is some. His like if I wish recall, is yeah.
0: <laughs> because his family is like kind of arguing and fighting yeah. and stuff like that.
1: In this case, the dad's family is like insanely wealthy. They're hoarding like three hundred million dollars in, in a Jeez. vault under
0: the house. Yeah, because that seems like a smart thing to do.
1: Yeah, it's like, uh, that's really dumb. And also well, makes that family very unsympathetic.
0: You're like, maybe they would actually deserve these things, but right. we can talk about uh, the upper class oh, uh, yeah, and how will... they and how they get their comeuppance in our featured that, that film later. That does kind later. of fit in
1: with the yeah the main um, feature. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they are deliberately portraying like most of this family is unsympathetic, like. Okay. Um, the little girl and her parents are the more likable characters. Like the dad wants to just cut ties with his wealthy family because they're so dysfunctional and greedy and just okay. leave all that behind. Um, so but they're spending their Christmas with his side of the family. Okay. While they're there, um burglars break in who have carefully researched all the security issues and like at a, all the layers of security protecting the money and protecting the house and everything, and they've figured out how to get past all of that and it happens that that's the house that Santa's at when the burglars show up, okay, so he um decides to help out because the little girl asks for his help basically yeah. uh so then it gets uh very whimsical and also sometimes a little gross. Um, Santa is a disgruntled, burned out alcoholic in this. Because okay. he's sick of people being greedy and not appreciating what they have, okay, and always wanting more. So he's not really going to love this family, but he feels sympathy toward this little girl because she doesn't want stuff; she wants her family back mm-hmm. together. Um, so the there's true like this meaning of yes, Christmas this type of thing. Yeah. exactly. And she still believes in Santa Claus. Yes. So that's another important element.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Where it gets interesting, this is an origin story for Santa I've never heard of before. Apparently Santa is, uh, they never explain how he became Santa Claus, but before he was Santa Claus, he was some kind of Viking warrior.
0: Oh, I've i have never heard that lore before. Maybe it was created for... I've,
1: maybe just for this movie. I've never heard that lore either. Okay. But in this movie, um, in his previous life, before he became immortal and became Santa Claus, he was a Viking warrior who was known for being really brutal and... Killing people with, like, basically a sledgehammer. Okay.
0: There you go. And that sets the stage for. for so a at movie least that like establishes
1: that Santa has combat skills. Well, so. see, that's.
0: I mean, it's important because it You're would right. be weird if, if he <laughs> just shows up and he's like, why can Santa fight? Like, why? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he is a big, muscular man. I mean, uh, you've got David Harbour who plays Santa in this, who, I don't know, is mainly familiar to P- he he was the newest hellboy ah, uh-huh. he um he was probably most famous though for being on stranger things um so known for comedy but also being kind of like an imposing type of person so it makes sense yeah
1: it that, that, it is good casting like he he is good at the comedic side mm-hmm. too but he's also very good at the the action scenes and um a lot of the uh murder weapons cuz there's like a whole crew of these thieves um, so he has to get rid of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the the makeshift weapons he uses are Christmas decorations. Um,
0: it seems like in the trailer, there's a lot of pun use too. which There's seems a like,
1: lot and a lot of like um, lines you would hear around Christmas time, or yeah, spoken, like you're honestly. on my
0: naughty list or yeah, something yeah. like that type Santa of. Santa yeah.
1: Claus is coming to town. Yes, you know, like that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there, yeah, there's a lot of great one-liners in this.
0: <laughs> I think that's why it made me feel like it sounds like a fake movie because oh, right? that's like the type of stuff that you would write in <laughs> in like a. a parody sketch or something like like for example uh david harbour was actually uh during the the, i guess we're kind of still in a very popular stranger things time but he hosted um saturday night live and they did a parody trailer of joker but as the as um oscar the grouch (laughs) if he was the joker and so he's using a lot of those like lines that you would hear on Sesame Street, but done in kind of like a dark and brooding <laughs> outcast. And so when I saw the trailer for this, it's like, he's kind of doing that, but for Santa now. Um, but but yeah, I did see that this director, by the way, um, Tommy Workola, um made the Dead Snow movies. So have you seen oh, the Dead yeah. Snow movies? I, I saw
1: the first one.
0: Um, yeah, so horror comedies, The deal with Snow, I mean, I guess this isn't a horror film, but obviously somebody who has a background in, like, violent movies that are also kind of tongue-in-cheek. It also helps that it's a cold setting, probably. I mean, he's from Norway, so that's probably just what he's used to. He also did Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. that um, Which I did not see, actually, but... Yeah, that one I wasn't as keen on, but maybe
0: you um, can pass that one. Can, is that yeah, what you're I would saying? Say
1: pass on that one.
0: Okay. Um. So, um, you would recommend *Violent Night* though? I would definitely recommend that. Is it a new Christmas time cat uh, classic? Do you think it will live on <laughs> down the road? I mean, there's probably it might for
1: me. I was gonna
0: say there's probably <laughs> a, a a type of people that look for this type of film because they they don't want the the schmaltzy mm-hmm. traditional but they want they want a little bit of edge to it but still kind of keep that holiday spirit yeah, style yeah. thing it, well
1: it does have some very schmaltzy moments but mm-hmm. then they're sometimes subverted um like there's a a great scene at the beginning where santa's at the bar and they're like some mall santa guys mm-hmm. there too getting a drink after a long work day um and then he takes the exit, but it's the roof exit, and the bartender follows him out, afraid he's going to, like, fall off the roof because mm-hmm. he's drunk, and then sees uh, sees the sleigh, like, uh, flying away. How little
0: does he know, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, but then, like, the funny part, after she's looking up with wonder, like, oh, Santa Claus is real. Okay, spoiler alert. He pukes on her. Okay. This <laughs> so is early in the This is like this is like in the first ten minutes or so, so yeah. I'm not giving too much away, <laughs> but there's this this type of humor throughout.
0: Yeah. Um but yeah, uh this is this is still in theaters, right? It is. It yeah, is I think still it, it just came
1: out this past week or so, so yeah.
0: So basically what you're saying is on Christmas Day. Take your family to the movie theater and have them see Violent Night, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I am looking forward to this. Both Lexi and I are – are, it, it we both kind of had this look at we were like, we want to see this movie, don't we? Like I think we were both a little bit like, <laughs> like should we want to sure. see
1: this movie? <laughs> you want to see it.
0: <laughs> and and I think we both just came we were like, no, we do want to see this. So um, support your movie theaters um, and go see Violent Night. <laughs> um, so after that, we'll, uh, move on to our featured film tonight, which brought up is, is the menu, which, um, a little brief synopsis of that is a young couple travels to a remote Island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, this film is directed by Mark uh, Mylod, who, when looking at his IMDb, it's it's mainly um, television stuff. Uh, he did um, some episodes of um, uh, Entourage and Shameless and Succession and stuff like that. Um, his only uh, movies that I recognize is kind of some random. He did uh, Ollie G Into House the the uh, the Ali G movie the Sasha Baron Cohen character and then he also did I don't know if you remember this movie was called What's Your Number it was an Anna Faris Chris Evans rom com
1: oh um, yeah I don't know if I've seen it maybe That's, because it was a rom com yes
0: uh, very forgettable but <laughs> uh-huh. it's that was back in 2011 and now he, he after make, taking a detour in um, television he is back to to films um we've been kind of talking a little about about this in our in our chat but erica why don't you um give your your opinion
1: well um in in general i did enjoy this um i do have to say it has certain elements in common with uh both of the films i discussed in the introduction and in that it's about unlikable rich people and is also a little bit too long
0: so we we talked about this and. The the film is only 106 minutes. It didn't feel long really.
1: to me. I thought maybe it felt longer because of those darn uh dream loungers. They hurt my back. Maybe
0: that's what it is. You get in those dream loungers and then it feels like you're Yeah,
1: yeah, maybe that was it. I but I felt like yeah, it could maybe be 20 minutes shorter.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, on
1: the upside it did not have a musical number about a clown cafe. <laughs> so right there. I was surprised
0: better. when that didn't happen, but right? <laughs> but but anyway, sorry, continue. Uh
1: ah, so um yeah, I I really enjoyed a lot of things about this. It had a lot of dark humor. It had a lot of uh, satire uh, and class commentary. Most of the satire, I would say, is about kind of foodie culture and uh, people who feel compelled to uh, brag about the stuff they eat and show it off on instagram pictures and that kind of thing
0: yeah they definitely cover kind of the 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 type of people that you would expect to be in this type of a scenario where you have like snooty um critic like restaurant critic mm-hmm. and her partner i don't i yeah, guess do I they ever define totally what sure their relationship is relationship. um there's these kind of like uh white collar kind of uh, like three guys that are all yeah. really stuck up that you find out work for the angel investor uh-huh. of this restaurant. There's John Leguizamo, again, who plays a, a famous actor. Yeah,
1: who's kind of sort of failing as an actor or he's kind of maybe, I don't know, his star is... Is starting to of,
0: decline. Yeah. He is um about to pitch a food-related television show, I think, also they talk about. But it's
1: like he really doesn't know that much about food. Like, it's just... Exactly. Like when he tries these different dishes, he just doesn't have anything interesting to say about any
0: of them. Well, that's the the other thing too is that you have all these these people of very varying degrees of knowledge um, about what they're actually experiencing. You have the people that we've already brought up uh, other than the critic who basically have no idea what they're eating. You have the critic that's kind of overly particular Mm -hmm. and kind of – reading into maybe things that may have been the intention of the of the chef and and all of them mm-hmm. but who knows you've got um the the lead characters are Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor-Joy um where Nicholas Holt is this this overbearing like fanboy of the uh, head yeah. chef played oh by Ray gosh. Fines who is also very good and um Anya Taylor-Joy is his date which we find out it's not his initial date yeah. um <laughs> but um he kind of worships the ground that the chef walks on, basically. Right,
1: yeah, he's um, like the most obnoxious type of foodie, I think.
0: Yes, um, where he re- really wants to know food and like is very stuck up about it. But you come to see later in the film that he actually has no idea right like what is he's, happening
1: he's like maybe fine as a consumer and he can pick out certain like flavors like he notices that like a tea has bergamot in it um which is like an obscure talk about an obscure flavor note mm. like i like bergamot as a scent i've never eaten like <laughs> one of those flowers <laughs> but he's like chef does this have bergamot and he's like yes
0: <laughs> and and you can the thing that i really liked about um uh, Ray finds uh by the way, is that I think when you look at this premise, you look at a an, an island uh that has this restaurant on it that it's all self-sustaining, all of the stuff is grown on it. Um, you could kind of envision this like Gordon Ramsay style, like loud, bombastic, um, kind of like <laughs> genius whatever. Um, but that's really not what Ray finds character. Like he's very um, intimidating, especially when he's dealing with all of his sous chefs. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can tell the whole time that he is trying to have this hospitality to him (laughs) where he's like telling this, like all these little stories about the menu and all these things. Um, and I think a, a perfect example of the kind of dark humor in this, in this film is, uh, his taco Tuesday story. Oh yes. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, where he talks about growing up in like Waterloo Iowa or somewhere like yeah. that um <laughs> he's like if it was Tuesday night it was taco Tuesday and he kind of goes on how there's this his family used to make tacos and everyone is kind of enjoying the story and then he talks about one taco Tuesday that
1: takes a that takes a dark
0: takes turn, a dark turn um, <laughs> involving his uh, dad being abusive and and things like that and that kind of encapsulates kind of where the the film, Feels like it's going in one direction, and it's this on the surface thing, and then it takes a turn. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I really enjoyed this film. I think this is just the type of stuff that I really enjoy. Um, I like the the dark, the dark humor to it. Um, there was two parts in it that I I actually laughed out loud during. Um, there's a part where they're um, I guess we can get into it in spoiler section, but there's one other one that I can talk about where um, they bring out for the taco Tuesdays, they bring out these very specific tortillas that have (laughs) things printed on them. And one of the tables is like, Hey, what is this? And um, the hospitality, Oh, yeah. Person yeah. Uh, played by Hong Chow, who is f- probably my favorite part of the film, honestly, uh, <laughs> keeps going, these are tortillas. Yeah. And they're like, but what? what is like, because they're trying to figure out what's going on. And she just keeps saying tortillas. Oh, yeah, that was great. And, hey,
1: yeah, like uh, each table gets uh, tortillas that have something uh, shameful or um, yes, incriminating, that they would, incriminating, yes. Uh, tailored to each individual guest or table, and with that particular table, it was uh it's financial f- records that were not quite kosher.
0: Yes, and and her just kind of dodging the whole and thing just, so and I just, just you, saying tortillas, tortillas <laughs> over and over again. Um, and I thought that was really, I thought that was really funny. Um, I also. Um, I also thought the, and you, I think you see this in the trailer, uh, one of the table, I think it's the same table actually, um, tells them that it's their birthday. Oh, it's yeah. one of the people's birthday. <laughs> and so all of these crazy things are happening throughout the film. And then about like two thirds to three quarters of the way through, you just see the <laughs> staff bring out a cake and they're saying happy birthday. And they're like, you told them that it was my birthday. And he's like, yeah, it sounded funny
1: two hours, two ago. hours ago. <laughs>
0: um, but, but yeah, um, Anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into spoilers? Uh, I mean, we kind of covered the general premise, but there isn't really any super major spoilers, but there are things that would probably be better to discuss.
1: Right. Like, I I feel like anything that's not, you know, already shown in the trailer is a spoiler. So I think there's Mm -hmm. um, probably, yeah, probably it's time to go to spoilers.
0: Yeah, I'm ready to move on. So we'll listen to the bumper and then we'll get into the spoilers. Could it really be that simple? Secret lies with Charlotte. Open the pod bay doors, hell. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Aren't you asking us to accept a pretty incredible coincidence? I'm just saying a coincidence is possible. And I say it's not possible. Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the
1: keys, right, babe?
0: Silent breathe people!
1: The greatest trick the devil
0: ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. And we're back with a spoiler section for the menu. So would you say there's, is there, what would be the main twist or spoiler of this this film?
1: Uh, Well, um, the trailer gives away the twist that this, what seems like a fine dining experience is actually the chef and his uh, crew uh, planning to kill all the guests. So, I mean, that's right there. In the trailer, for me, the big twist was the reveal about Anya Taylor Joy's character. Initially, you just assume that she's the girlfriend of the annoying uh, foodie guy. The guy uh, was Nicholas Holt. Yeah,
0: Tyler. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like he he loves food. He can like distinguish all of these cooking techniques and flavors, but he cannot cook to save his life. Mm -hmm. It literally, literally turns out. Um, but it turns out she's she's not his girlfriend. She is a sex worker that mm-hmm. he hired because his actual girlfriend broke up with him.
0: Yes, uh, which I will say was it was a little bit of a bummer because earlier in the film she's talking about like because uh, you see that um, that Ray Fiennes has kind of tailor made all of these dishes for the guests that are there. These are all people that he specifically wanted to have there, and he keeps being like. Who are you? Like you're not supposed to be here. All these types of things, and she talks about like, I like, um, I I'm Margo, and from I'm from Grand, Island, Grand Nebraska, Island, Nebraska. And I was like, what? <laughs> I know. And you find out later that that's not true. Um, her name is Erin, and I think she's from like Massachusetts or yeah, something, something like, like that. that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's fine. I would say the other big spoiler in relation to that is um, that Nicholas Holt knows that mm-hmm. all of them are going to die. Yeah, that that is the other um, big
1: twist. And then he invites her anyway, knowing that he that would be... That she will die yep. mm-hmm.
0: along with him and all of the other people. Um, I, I I think that those are probably the two big spoilers. We can go into the ending a little bit, too. I, I, <laughs> I, I will say, before getting into that, I will say I was surprised that there's no cannibalism in this film. Th-
1: I was about to say that, too. Like... Movie called The Menu, and from the trailer, it's it's clear the chef intends to kill the guest. I would have expected cannibalism, but there is none.
0: I feel like that would have been the easy route to Probably. go with a film like this, um, but, but that is and, and not it, the case. It definitely
1: would have made it just a straight-up horror film if they had done that, whereas um, the way that this is done, it can just kind of stay in that... Thriller slash dark comedy. So, yeah,
0: I mean, I think we're, we're starting to see kind of the obviously with Jordan Peele having a comedy background, and um, Barbarian this year is direct, written, and directed by Zach mm-hmm. Krager, who's a part of Whitest Kids You Know comedy background. Um, this film is written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy. Um, uh, Seth Reese is a writer. He was a writer for The Onion. Both of them were writers oh, for The Onion. Nice. I didn't know um, that. And <laughs> Seth Reese is now one of the main writers for Late Night with Seth Myers. Um, so it kind of has a, a background in comedy too. And you you see that kind of stitched in there. Um, but I, I think the movie seemed like it wanted to be it could have gone the easier route with <laughs> the cannibalism. But I guess if you think about Ray finds and being very intentional about his menu. He probably would want to keep everything exactly true, um, what it is. And this is also a a one time thing. Like this restaurant has been active. It's not like a pop up restaurant, it's a restaurant that's been going on for a long time. One of the other tables that we didn't bring up is just like an old rich couple. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've talked about how they've been there.
1: Like 11 times. Like 11
0: times. And so, obviously, they've been to the restaurant and everything has been fine. So, um, he probably wouldn't want to stray too far away from it. Everything is still actual (laughs) dishes. True. um, Which is good. But um, I think we can talk a little bit about the ending. Um, (laughs) What did you think of the ending of this film?
1: Uh I, I don't know how I feel about the whole s'mores thing, for one. What about the also,
0: cheeseburger thing?
1: Oh, um, I thought that was fun, actually.
0: Yeah, so um, basically Anya Taylor-Joy has not been eating the entire time. She says she's not hungry, that's not what she wants, and this obviously is very infuriating to the chef, who's like, I purposefully planned this menu for everyone. I've even tailored it to the portion sizes to each person so that they won't <laughs> fill up properly or they will fill yeah, up yeah. as they go on. And he's like, okay, well, what do you want? And she goes, I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> and so he goes into the kitchen and he makes her a cheeseburger and bring, and she comes out she eats a couple bites of it. And is like, this is the yep. best cheeseburger. This is a great cheeseburger. And she's like, but I'm kind of full. I'd like it to go box yep. and brings <laughs> and he, her to he go box and lets her leave. And I thought that was great because it's um, basically he the, – the all of the characters had to die because that's what the meal plan
1: mm-hmm.
0: expected them to do. Like and it followed it, the menu. But because Anya Taylor-Joy does not follow the menu and she has her cheeseburger, it wouldn't make sense right. for her to die. Yeah, he lets her leave. To,
1: she gets to go. Also, she – I kind of played to his own personal memories like she, she snoops in his home on the island while she's trying to get help yes. and then Finds like a was it a newspaper clipping where he he worked at some burger place yeah, as a some, teenager. So mm-hmm, yeah, it just and like some like local. And looked like he really enjoyed himself doing it. So and she kind of tapped into the fact that he used to
0: enjoy his job and, and now he doesn't. And I think there's even like an employee of the month, like from <laughs> yeah. whatever that like it's like a mom and pop style hamburger <laughs> joint, like diner thing. And and I think you do see a lot of humanity with. Ray Fine's character where he's this kind of uppity, pretentious, but you can see that there was one point when he did love what he was doing and now it's become so about presentation and like pretension and stuff like that mm-hmm. that he's kind of lost his luster.
1: And his uh clients are kind of uh, unpleasant people. Well, cuz I think they cases. talk
0: about how it's like I'd have to get the number right like Fifteen hundred dollars a person. Something, I think. Yeah,
1: it, it was like it was definitely over a thousand, which is uh, which ugh, is kind of absolutely ridiculous. To think about, right? But
0: you you led on to the other part of the ending, which is the s'mores <laughs> ending. Um, would you like to talk about that? Uh,
1: so, well, one thing that irked me a, a little bit, and maybe I found it a little, I don't know, unrealistic, is um, the the other dinner guests do not really put up uh, a fight. Really, um, at the ending. Or just in the whole general. Thing. Well, the, you, the one guy tries to escape and they punish him yeah, for it, but still, there's,
0: there's some mild them trying to escape. But you could also make the case that it's like these are all like rich, stuck up people. Like, True. how much they may, yeah, fight, fight they could they, they actually really... have in them? Because that, that's a good point. They all kind of like crumble under the pressure. Like, um, there's a, a part where um, they are kind of sent out and hunted. Yeah and which I
1: thought that was going to end in them being killed and it wasn't it was just it a catch just capture capture for fun. thing right? um
0: <laughs> and he's like you have 45 seconds um, to before we will come and find you, and like before he's even done talking, that one of the one characters just <laughs> starts running off. They're yeah. like, oh, "Okay, I guess your time starts now." I thought that also had a really funny part where I can't remember which character it is, but the one that they find last, mm. um, they present him with like a special yeah, like a, dish. Yeah. Yeah. It's like congratulations on being the last one captured. Here is your special, <laughs> your special treat, and it's like this is all just a part of this meal, um, but. But the final dish, the dessert, is a play on s'mores.
1: Yes, so the the guests are wrapped up in uh, sort of a uh, marshmallow binding um, with a headpiece made of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And then the whole restaurant is set on fire with the guests and the chef and his staff inside.
0: Yes, and the ground is – they sand it basically with with cram crackers, which I thought was a a clever way of doing it. I I don't know if it's the most satisfying ending you can have. But if you're you're trying to kind of tie things up in a bow with a dessert, I mean, (laughs) you could do that. I mean, I don't know. Like a – uh, Could
1: have done a banana flambe too. And yeah, something like a that, or fancier. like a,
0: a baked Alaska style thing, right? something mm-hmm. that has something like that. But I mean, I thought it was a fun, it's a fun, and it's kind of a goofy, they all look kind of goofy because yeah, they they've do. got these like head pieces on. I also thought it was very interesting that after Anya Taylor Joy gets up and leaves, all of the guests kind of just, they're in their, they're, get Up basically, their s'mores get up and they all kind of just like
1: they're very calm. They're about just like, it.
0: acknowledge it's almost like they've kind of accepted mm-hmm. their fate. And I was like, I can see, like, once you've been through this entire thing and they, they have a, a an escape attempt that gets thwarted earlier with a um, like a coast guard character that you find out is actually in on it, it maybe their spirits have been broken or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, I, I will say another thing. Sorry, now I keep talking <laughs> no, about the no, things that I okay. like about it. Um they they're kind of talking about like the reasons why they're there, mm-hmm. like why they're being punished, and and the chef is kind of going through all these things, and uh, to one of the characters, he's like, uh, "Where did you go to school?" Oh yeah, and that he's scene. and she's like. Brown or like some Ivy League school and he's, like, school. Student and he's loans? like student loan. she goes no and he goes that's why you're dying yep and and I just I thought that was oh, really yeah, that, funny that, that was, was a really actor's
1: assistant who yeah yeah I thought that
0: was that was a pretty funny thing I I will say that scene um kind of reminded me because you also hear that the reason why John almost character is killed is because um oh, Ray Fiennes yeah. had one day off and he went to go see one of this actor's films and it was the worst movie he would ever seen It ruined his day and that kind of reminded me a little bit of the ending spoilers for this of Hot Fuzz Uh when um, there's all these murders going around in the town and they have these kind of elaborate reasons why they're um, why they think that these characters are being killed off and then you find out later that they're like it's all very trivial yes, on yeah. why they're being killed. Like they just, kill a character because he is a bad speller. <laughs> um and stuff like and that. The, the
1: one guy's like a human statue and that's just tacky. And it's tacky, and so <laughs> yeah. they kill
0: him. So that that's kind of what it reminded me of where it's kind of trivial right, on right. why they end up killing some of the characters. Like obviously they're the the guys that are doing financial things, they kind of have their reason for that. And the other mm-hmm. guy's cheating on his wife and stuff like that and um, is also just kind of a bad guy in and, general. And the, but...
1: the uh, food critic has like ruined a lot of careers by writing negative reviews about yeah, different yeah. establishments. Her and...
0: tortillas all have pictures of restaurants that she yeah
1: they closed that because closed because of her, her, her reviews
0: <laughs> um so so there's that I, I mean that's pretty much it for the film yeah. do you have any um, other thoughts well, i have to you say wanted? one of
1: one of my favorite scenes was actually i think the second course it was supposed to be the bread dish with the different <laughs> garnishes and he gives this long talk about how like bread is the food of the poor and the common people And he's like but none of you here are common <laughs> and then he like brings out all these like like uh, garnishes and dips that you would put bread in, but no bread. But He's no like, bread. None of you get bread. It's like that is epic culinary trolling. Yes. I liked it. It,
0: it. He was a total <laughs> troll with that. It, well, that's that's a type of thing that you can really see his resentment mm-hmm. of the people that he has. Where it's like bread is such a like a staple of restaurants. It seems like, and be like, you guys don't deserve bread. Mm-hmm. You, this is not.
1: And also his, his restaurant is known for its good bread, but that yes. that group of people did not get it. They did not
0: get it, <laughs> um, which I thought was a, a, a funny touch too. But but yeah, any last thoughts? You uh, just... No,
1: no, I, I, I did enjoy this quite yeah, a bit. Um,
0: I, I'm looking forward to another viewing of it. See if there's any other things that I missed maybe <laughs> from the first view, but... Are you going to want to see it again? Probably. probably yeah, yeah,
1: once it hits uh, streaming and or, you know, Blu-ray. Because
0: mm-hmm, I think right now it's still in theaters mm-hmm. um, or sh- or just recently left theaters, either one of those things. But I would assume it'll probably be on some streaming platform here right, relatively right. soon.
1: I would think so, too. Um,
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I-, I would give it a glowing review A less glowing review, but still a positive positive review. It was
1: a little too long. That's That's and that is
0: fair. Um, But yeah, that's the menu, Um, and that was our featured film tonight. Uh, We haven't really talked about what our next episode will be. Um, It's the start of the year. It'll will be when our next episode will be. So it's probably going to be in this um, more award yeah. season-y movies, right, right. We'll, we'll have to get into the and chat. And or,
1: like, leftovers of the holiday season. Like, I probably will end up seeing Puss in Boots, which seems uncharacteristic <laughs> for me, but it, it does have a cat in it. So. Lexi
0: watched Puss in Boots, I think, yesterday. Okay. So the the first the new, one. Oh, the, okay. So, I haven't seen
1: the first one. But, um, yeah, <laughs> One of much... my my friend has a, a child who's, like, too young to watch the kind of movies <laughs> I normally watch. But it's like, I will go see that. That one with you, because it's got a cat, and I love cats. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's that. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing The Whale. I don't know if Um, you, um, just because I've heard so many good things about um, Brendan Fraser in it. I'm kind of lukewarm with Darren Aronofsky films. Some of his films I think are really good, and then other ones I think are kind of pretentious failures um, but you mean
1: like from the department of I love children but I can't eat an entire one in one sitting type of thing
0: <laughs> that's one way of putting it because <laughs> um, yeah I really like I, I liked Black Swan I liked The Wrestler um, those types of films but yeah like Mother oh. and Noah and things like that I'm kind of
1: I, I will never forget Mother I have not watched it a second time because it was uh, kind of emotionally brutalizing especially that particular scene i sort of alluded to it
0: feels like a nightmare kind of um i've heard someone describe it as the music video for turn down for what if it was a film um so (laughs) maybe go and do your if you want (laughs) to watch uh that music video you'll get a good at uh idea of what that film is like but uh, we'll have to talk maybe a little bit more about what we're gonna I know Knives Out Glass Onion comes out I think maybe this weekend that That would be one potentially so you'll just have to wait and see Um, but until then we'll see you at the movies
1: this episode was recorded in the studios of KZUM 89.3 FM in Lincoln Nebraska you can find out more about KZUM and listen to more episodes of Cinema Roundtable by visiting KZUM.org Our theme music was composed by Joshua Spaulding.